Well, good morning, TriStar. Uh, it's a pleasure and honor to be here this morning. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Tanner Thornton. I'm uh, the pastor of worship here at TriStar, and it is such a privilege and an honor to be here to bring the word. Um, and super thankful that Matt has entrusted me with this week. Um, so if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, uh, we are in a series called Back to the Minors, where we are looking at a section of the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. And uh, throughout the Minor Prophets, uh, we've gotten a glimpse at how God uses his people to reveal his plan uh, and how he is intertwining the story together that he is writing. And so uh, if you follow us on any social medias, uh, our production coordinator, Brandon, uh, was able to share his heart uh, this past week and he just shared a little bit about how uh, this series has been super challenging for him. And I think he hit the nail on the head that uh, as we've walked through this series, I've realized uh, it's began to peel back layer after layer of how Israel and our current day are so, uh, so parallel. Uh, how uh, humankind is, so, the tendency is to go towards sinful desires and sinful nature and how God wants to redeem us, how God wants to bring us back and return us to his covenant. He wants us to repent of that so that we can see restoration through him. Um, and so uh, the last couple of weeks as we've been looking at these prophets, we, we kind of see uh, God use these prophets as mouthpieces to speak to the places where they live, work, and play. And it's been incredible, but I'm uh, very excited that today, we get to kind of change the uh, pace a little bit and look at just a conversation between the prophet Habakkuk and God. And so I wanna uh, plant a seed if I could, uh, and I wanna plant the seed so that hopefully uh, throughout our time together, the Holy Spirit would cultivate that and he would start to uh, give wisdom and knowledge about it. But I wanna plant a seed. Habakkuk is only three chapters. It's very short. And, and there's not really this big end game. Instead, it's just a conversation where Habakkuk brings complaints to God and God answers him. And at the end, we see Habakkuk's response to God revealing his story and revealing these visions. And so the question that I wanna ask is why, why are we here? Why, why uh, would he allow us to be able to have a window into this conversation? So as we uh, dig in, we'll start just at the top, chapter one, verse two. This is Habakkuk speaking. And he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. God, uh, God seems like he is distant in this moment. And so Habakkuk is saying, God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of this chaos and this evil? Why are you far from me? Why do you not hear my cry? Why do my prayers fall on deaf ears? And kind of what Matt was speaking about earlier. I think we've all walked through those seasons where we're saying, God, 
What are you doing in this situation? You're not answering any of my prayers. It seems like my, my prayers are hitting a wall. What do you do when God is far away? Habakkuk feels this right now because scholars believe he grew up under King Josiah and King Josiah brought great revival to his nation. Israel had repented of their sins. They had returned to the covenant that God gave through Moses. They were seeing restoration. They were seeing prosperity. They were seeing just a boom in economy and culture. But if you've been following along, Israel has this tendency that when things go really well, Israel likes to step into stupid and make a mistake. And so as this prosperity and this revival breaks out, the mountaintop becomes the valley low. And I love the, the vernacular in verse four where, where Habakkuk is crying out and he says, the law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. There's more wicked people than we could see, than we could, than we could count. So justice never goes forth. There's probably some people in this room that grew up during the Graham revival era that remember uh, Gaither tent revivals. I remember when there was a moment of silence in schools. I remember when I could take my Bible to school and it was a normal thing. Some of you probably grew up in that era and feel how Habakkuk feels right now. God, where are you in America? Do you not see what is happening? Why are you far from this nation? Why are you not doing something? Why are you letting evil and injustice happen? Why are there riots in the streets? Why is there political corruption everywhere? God, where are you? And I love to think that Habakkuk has not prayed this prayer just when we see it recorded. He has prayed this for hours, days, months, years. And until this moment, he receives the silence of God. He receives no answer. What do you do when God feels distant? And the Lord gives us an inside glimpse here because he records this one prayer and his answer. In verse five, it says, the Lord's answer, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. I love that. For I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. And God is saying this is because he, he's gonna use Babylon to come through and wipe out Israel, cause them to go into exile so that he can make a way for the coming Messiah. He is writing the story. He is, he is, his plan is going according to his will and he is making a way for Jesus to come. But in the midst of that, he is using Babylon to destroy Israel. And, and uh, I didn't have a whole lot of historical context in this. Uh, and so... I read about it and it turns out that Babylon was basically the enemy of Israel and God. And so in the only way that I could explain it, I thought of the Florida Gators, the most evil and hasty nation, wicked, 
full of iniquity. And it seems in my analogy here that the Florida Gators are prosperous because the Lord is raising them up to come and cream and annihilate the volunteers so that he can bring a Messiah and rebuild the volunteers. Lord, we need a fresh wind of 98, please. But, but it doesn't make sense. Florida is evil. The Gators are evil. Like, why would you use them, God? If you're confused at why God is using Babylon, why he is using the Gators, I'm gonna use that the whole time because that is just too good. Uh, if you're confused, you're in good company because Habakkuk comes and he says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? God, you're supposed to be the good guy. God, I've read a lot of comic books and that's not how this works. The good guy just defeats evil. How could you use Babylon? How could you use this evil nation against your own people? It's funny how when God said, I'm going to reveal the plan to you that you would not believe even if told. God said, Habakkuk, here's the deal. You're not gonna believe this even if I told you. Then God told him and Habakkuk didn't believe it. Crazy. Like how God knew that that was gonna happen. But in the midst of this confusion of God's response, notice how Habakkuk, cries out again how could you do this God his first complaint his first prayer was like God where are you what are you doing so God says this is exactly what I'm doing and Habakkuk says well that doesn't make sense make make it make sense to me like right like help me figure out how this makes sense how could you do this even though God's plan was going according to his will Habakkuk still had more questions. He was still more confused than before. And so he's crying out again, God, help me understand. You've told me the plan, but help me understand it now. And this time he gets the silence of God again. His prayer hits a wall. What do you do when God feels far away? This is what Habakkuk did. It starts in chapter two. When, when the silence of God is the response that Habakkuk gets, he says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. I like to envision things. I, I'm a visual learner and so uh, I, I tried to play this in the theater of my mind where Habakkuk cries out and he gets the silence of God and so he has to go to his quiet place um, and cry for a little bit. God, you're not answering me, so I'm gonna go to my watchtower. Mom, you don't love me, I'm gonna go to my room. I may have done that before. Uh, and, and so it seems like in this most like emo, angsty moment that Habakkuk is kind of running away 
But the more I studied and the more I prayed about it, I realized that Habakkuk was actually genius. It was brilliant. When Habakkuk's response was the silence of God, instead of giving up, instead of staring at the wall for just two more minutes before he could get a response, before just opening his eyes because God didn't answer him through the clouds, he said, you know what, I'm going to go to my watchtower and I'm going to wait and see what he will say to me. Habakkuk took himself above the noise of the culture. He took himself above the hustle and bustle of the city around him. He positioned himself above the evil that he was among to wait and see what God would say to him. How do you position yourself when God doesn't answer your prayer? It's... It, 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 it's funny to me that I grew up thinking that when I prayed a prayer, that God, when he would answer me, he would open up the clouds, he would look me in the eyes and he would respond verbally and preferably in English because I failed Spanish too. That the God of the universe that created everything that I see could only verbally communicate to me. that God created us with five physical senses and a spirit that is totally dependent on the Holy Ghost and the Trinity and I would only hear from God verbally, that I would only hear him speak to my ears. Habakkuk says, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna see the plan unfold. I'm gonna see what he will say to me. How do you position yourself when you get the silence of God? As Habakkuk positioned himself to see what God would say to him, God answered him. He gave him a vision. The Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. Catch this. But the righteous shall live by faith. God's response is, here is this vision and I want you to write it down. I want you to take it so seriously that you inscribe it on stone because I know that the vision will take longer than your attention span. I know that my plan will take longer than you can remember. So I want you to transcribe it on stone. This is, why, this is my plan. This is my answer for you. And the plan of God, it says, it hastens to the end. It will not lie. It will surely come. It will not delay. There are no wrong turns. There's no circling around before you can land. There's no waiting on your wife for 30 minutes before you can leave the house. That doesn't happen to me. Right, love? Uh, it hastens the end. There's nothing that can delay the plan of God. It will surely come. So God is saying, here is the vision, Habakkuk. I'm going to wipe out Israel to prepare the way for the Messiah. I will not let evil fester in Israel. 
I have a plan that is going to come to completion. And Babylon will receive judgment too. It's all according to my plan and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, wait for it. If it seems slow, wait for it. What is your prayer that is hitting a wall? What promise are you waiting for fulfillment on? I'm here to tell you that the space between promise and fulfillment is faith. The space between promise and fulfillment is faith. We read in the Old Testament in Genesis of Abraham and Sarah, they were promised a son. And after 15 years of waiting, God comes to them and says, guess what? I still got you. It's still gonna happen. Not right now, but I got you. Think about that. In 2006, in our timeline, God says, Abraham and Sarah, you guys, I'm going to give you a son. And just today, just today, God comes back and says, my promise is still going to be fulfilled. They would wait 10 more years before God gave them their son. If it seems slow, wait for it. Joseph saw sheep bow down to him in the field as God promised to raise him to a point of authority, a position of power, only to be sold as a slave by his brothers and be in slavery for 11 years. In 2010, Joseph was sold into slavery for 11 years. That means today, He's been released from his slavery. Praise the Lord. Not really, because then he's put into a dungeon for two more years. It took 13 years for Joseph to go from his anointing, from his promise to his fulfillment. If it seems slow, wait for it. David was anointed to become a king as a boy, as a shepherd in the field looking over the flock. And it took 15 years of still being a shepherd, of having to be a mercenary, of being a target practice for King Saul before he was ever appointed king. If it seems slow, wait for it. At the end of verse four, it says that the righteous shall live by faith. God wants you to know that his plan is happening as it should and in the midst of its unfolding, he wants to produce faith within you because faith within you produces righteousness among you. What's your prayer that's hitting the wall? What does God seem far away in? If I could tell a little bit of my story, I, I was moving from <clears throat> junior year into senior year of high school when my grandmother went in for a routine procedure. Only for the next coming weeks and months, her to go from procedure to hospital to diagnosis, to hospice. And it wasn't supposed to be that way. I prayed so hard. God, would you heal her? God, would you bring her out of this? I didn't lose hope. God, would you do this for me? God, why are you so far away in this situation? And I remember waking up to the news that my grandmother had passed through the night 
I remember walking the stage of my high school graduation with sorrow that she was not there to celebrate. For my college graduation, and my beautiful wife and I, I remember standing on our wedding day looking at pictures of our grandmothers because we settled for pictures because God took them. And I had to say, God, why did you not heal them? There are people that live longer, they went through worse, there's more miraculous things that you have done. Why am I settling for a picture on my wedding day with two of the most beautiful women in our lives that we love dearly? What are you doing in this moment? His plan hastens to the end. It will not delay. If it seems slow, wait for it. Here's the thing. God's plan is happening according to his will, and it does not make sense, even if he told me what he was doing in those situations. So in the midst of that, he's producing faith within me. He's producing faith so that righteousness can come from me. I think of my friend Matt and his wife Amber. We became friends almost seven years ago. And I was there when uh, they told us that they were having their fourth kid. Praise God. And I got the call a few months after their fourth child was born that she had been diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer. And I'm just a friend, I'm not part of the family. But I remember saying, God, what are you doing? Where are you? How, after everything they've walked through, how could you allow this to happen? What is your plan in this situation? Help me understand. And over the next few years, Amber's cancer spreads. Her kids start to grow up with the knowledge that their mom is ridden with cancer, that it's spreading to her, her spine and her brain. And I'm starting to say, God, how could I watch my best friend just idly sit while his wife has to fight for her life? Why do I have to look at these beautiful kids grow up knowing that their mother could pass to cancer? And I may not understand the why, but I understand that it is producing a glory on this side and that side of heaven that I might never see. But God is up to something and he is doing something through these stories. He's doing something. He's not just idly watching. His plan hastens to the end. And if it seems slow, wait for it. Habakkuk has the same cry. And the Lord says, if it seems slow, wait for it. When you are waiting on fulfillment, keep waiting. It's the right thing to do. But Tanner, we, we, we kind of understand that God's plan is happening and we kind of understand that you know, he's doing something, but what do we do in the midst of this pain and the suffering and the evil? We cling to the glory of God and the salvation through Jesus and realizing that his plan produces faith and righteousness. Take joy that our salvation in Jesus, the completion of his death, burial, and resurrection, that, that we can cling to because it is unchanging. 
Don't cling to how holy our nation was or could be. Don't cling to how well you do spiritually in your disciplines and your prayer life. Don't cling to how much goodness or blessing you see. Don't don't cling to how many miracles you've witnessed in your life. Cling only to God's glory. Cling only to the salvation through Jesus. Because it does not change. The seasons come and go. God is good in every season and his plan is happening in every season. But I've got to cling to his glory and my salvation in Jesus so that I don't get caught up in the valley low or the mountain high. I love this imagery that, imagery that was uh, in Jeremiah. And it says that the almond tree is the first tree to bud, but the last tree to bloom. If it seems slow, wait for it. Faith is what you do when you don't know where God is. And so we see the culmination of this faith that God is raising in Habakkuk at the end of chapter three. Habakkuk has seen the vision. He knows what's gonna happen. He doesn't understand it and he is still kind of in the dark, but the faith that it has produced over time is culminated in these next few verses, starting in verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. This is a song that Habakkuk is writing. And he speaks in famine language. He speaks of this vision of famine and destruction that is gonna come to the nation that he loves. And yet he worships. Habakkuk's waiting on God transformed his worrying into worship. Habakkuk's waiting on God transformed his worrying into worship. So as I walk through life, And sometimes I get the silence of God and sometimes my prayers hit the ceiling and sometimes God seems far away. I cling to his glory and the salvation through Jesus and realizing that it is all producing something. It is all intentional. It is all creating and and stirring faith within me. Because the plan might not go according to my desires. It might not go according to my cries. It might not go according to my emotions, but it hastens to the end. It will not delay. It will surely come. And if it seems slow, wait for it. Because the plan that God revealed to Habakkuk 
was that I'm gonna bring destruction and famine to a nation that you love in order for the plan to go according to my will, in order for the Messiah to come. I will not let evil stand idly by. I might not do it on your timeline. I might not do it within your desires. But if it seems slow, wait for it. Could you worship God even if he never brings revival to America? Could you worship God even if he doesn't heal the sickness or destroy the sinful desires? Could you worship God in the midst of chaos? What are you clinging to? God's promise to crush the serpent's head. Jesus' promise to come again will come to fulfillment. And if it seems slow, wait for it. God's promise to never leave you or forsake you is being fulfilled. And you will never see the completion on this side of heaven because if he never leaves you, And so we cling to his glory this morning and realize that he is up to something, that he is doing something. His plan is producing faith within us so righteousness can go among us. And in the midst of the waiting, we worship him all the same. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come. And this story isn't the happiest of stories. It's not the most miraculous. It's, it, it, it's not the one that you want to read. But thank you for giving your word, for giving us a glimpse of your heart, for giving us a glimpse of what you're doing and how you're doing it. May we never rely on seeing the prayers that we make be fulfilled but only rely on your glory and realize that your plan is happening may we bring every desire to the cross and allow you to take that desire and transform it into your kingdom minded ways would you would you take all of the prayers that we pray and would you allow those prayers not only to reach your heart but also to change ours as we become more like minded with you Jesus in everything God I pray for a faithful church. I pray for a righteous church. I pray for a church that waits on you and worships you. We will see the miraculous happen. We will see the Holy Spirit blow through Knoxville. We will see the Holy Spirit blow through America. We will see Jesus come back. We will see your promises fulfilled. Even if it's not in the way that we want, not in the way we desire, may we worship you all the same. Thank you, Father. Amen.